You're listening to Art Happens Here, the podcast that explores the often curious and occasionally amazing art installations on, in, and around the campuses of Lansing Community College. I'm your host, Bruce Mackley. Well, hello. Welcome to Art Happens Here. It is my great delight in welcoming back former LCC president, Dr. Brent Knight, to talk about some of the things that we've accomplished here. And we have another guest, someone I've been trying to pin down for quite some time. He's our director of facilities, Tim Martz, vastly experienced in all types of industrial management and operations. He's been here since 2005. And quite honestly, a lot of this stuff wouldn't have happened, obviously, without Dr. Knight. But Tim was the catalyst that uh, provided much of the expertise that facilitated facilities. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice yeah. to be here. Good yeah. to be with you. Good to see you. Being in the room with you two again, it's just been, uh, it's its really cool. And I don't even know where to start. Um, Tim, project-wise, I'm just going to dive right in. Tell us about something that you wouldn't normally know as a normal person. Were there any, I'm not talking about your personal life. We don't care, Tim. Okay. <laughs> Anything around here, like what is it like with building a clock tower or a freestanding 30-foot sculpture that people might not realize? Did you ever leave a meeting with Dr. Knight and scratch your head walking down the hall going, how am I going to do this? Well, let me just start off by saying when you become a facilities person, whether you are in the first line as a trade or you've been able to elevate yourself to some different levels across the campus, you don't ever think about sculptures and artwork. That's not really in the book. You think about infrastructure such as boilers and chillers and, and all these things to keep the buildings up to tip-top shape and, and that type of thing. When Dr. Knight got here, it was just very interesting situation that Dr. Knight was infrastructure person. He knew about how buildings worked. He took great pride in making sure that they worked and then also expanded out to what the buildings look like, what the grounds look like. And that was a little different than what I had experienced before. Back to your question. We always had some sort of form that when we started a project, we could bring our projects to the table but we didn't know what we wanted to do until Dr. Knight got here. And he came with vision and he came with ideas and he came with great, great aspects of what we could do. Yes, there were times when we left the room, we wondered, oh boy, Mm -hmm. how are we going to do this? And we had to get inside his thinking, his understanding in his head and come out with, how do we do this? We could see some vision, we could see it, but we didn't know how to do it. And that was the tough part. Having the encouragement too. And Dr. Knight, you placed a lot of trust in this gentleman over here. Well, yes, uh, Tim, we, we were great partners from my point of view. And we understood each other, I think, well, and knew each other well. And we had many experiences that we used to do the next project. So we were continually building our experiential base. And Tim was always supportive. I would say almost always, but I can't think of any time that he wasn't. I may have had wild and crazy ideas, but 
we would shape them into a way that worked. A project that comes to mind was the cello on the back side of Dart. I mean, which previously was blank. <laughs> and you, you wouldn't know what was the purpose of that building on the east side of it. It just was a blank brick wall. So I wanted to signal that this was a performing arts building and what could we do that would suggest that? So, I mean, you could have the faces of drama, which is common, mm -hmm. but we ended up somehow with a musical instrument and then we thought, well, we could have a cello. Okay, well, where would we put it? And so we would discuss all that in our meetings, mm -hmm. and we started off with, I think, putting it on a little lawn there. And then one of Tim's guys, I think, said, well, why don't we put it on that roof over the door? Mm -hmm. And then we thought, well, gee, why don't we put it on the side of the building? Well, it would be better still if the neck protruded from the corner. So that was a progression that our meetings were, we would just keep working and talking and thinking and made it the end result as good as it could possibly be, get the size right and the colors right and get a drawing and then a fabricator mm -hmm. and a painter and somebody to, to affix it to the building. So we would go through all of that, and I think what was probably very uncommon, we essentially did it ourselves within the college, within our own people, mm -hmm. and generally we had fun. That's, that's true. And just for our listeners, uh, we're referring to Dart Auditorium, this, an older building on campus. And this cello is, I mean, it's a life-size cello. It's 3D. It has an abbreviated neck. And the thing that struck me about it the first time I saw it was the improbability of it. It was eye-catching. And it's fire engine red. But it's not huge. But it's fire engine red. And it's at an angle. And you can't not see it. You can't not look at it. And just like, I look at it every time I walk by. And from there, I mean, we didn't start out doing the enormous things, but our knowledge base grew, right, Tim? Yeah. I mean, you're balancing electric. Anyway. We, we, um, we didn't know how to do many of the things or why we were even in the room with Dr. Knight and, and trying to figure, figure out what we were going to do. Mm -hmm. And it took a team. This is one of the things we've got to understand here, that we would sit in our room it was almost every Tuesday between 8.30 and 10 o'clock mm -hmm. and we would start noodling as Dr. Yeah. Knight would say on yeah. ideas yeah. and we would write the ideas on the on the whiteboard mm -hmm. and then we would create okay priorities and then we start looking at well what costs were and everything like this and then we would start bringing in our, our team we would bring in an architect we bring in engineers we bring in the field staff we brought in carpenters, we brought in electricians, mm -hmm. we brought in maybe some HVAC people that knew how to bend metal, all sorts of different aspects of the trades that were here, right mm -hmm. here in our backyard that we use every day. Mm -hmm. And they became part of what we did. And one of the things is once you become part of it, you take ownership in it and you take pride in it. Mm -hmm. And that was, that's just, the team grew from that and that's how we were very successful.
Oh yeah, the balance and that that ownership factor that you pointed out. It was a very, uh, you know, you leave these meetings and you're kind of excited. At least for me, you're excited, but you're afraid because it's a one-off and you haven't done it before. And what if I fail? But I have this encouragement from the guy in the top office to move forward with it. Nothing else like it, you know. The balance there. I make a big deal about creative thought processes and not how they just apply to sculptures and art and music, the obvious things, but cable management in a power room or pick something that doesn't involve some type of creative thought process. I won't go off on that tangent. I've done it before. I wish to get on the record, the clock tower. Me me too, definitely. And how it happened. Yeah. And Tim is a key part of that. It Mm -hmm. wouldn't happen without Tim. Mm -hmm. So I came here in 2008, and I'm not sure when I started to talk to Tim about the structure that was there, which I really didn't care for, mm-hmm. the, the brutalist welding vent. We call it the mushroom. Thing. From my memory, as soon as I could, I told Tim that that thing had to go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so Tim started to study it, and he started to talk with people who disassembled, demolished, And he came back to me and said, the price is just outrageous. We can't do it. And I go, okay, Tim, well, thanks for trying. I didn't know can't was in your your vocabulary, Tim, but anyway. No, he couldn't. They couldn't figure out how to how to do it without, you know, a price that was just unreasonable. Mm -hmm. So I may have done that in 2009. It might have been 2008. But every year. I would say to Tim, say, Tim, I sure would like to dismantle that. He's he's relentless, isn't he? Oh, yes, absolutely. And replace it with the clock tower if we could, Tim. And then Tim would come back in a few weeks or whatever, and he'd say, we just can't figure it out. We just can't. And and this happened at least five times that I would every year say to Tim, Tim, what about that? And every year he would try. He'd call somebody else. He'd talk to a different engineer. And then he'd come back and tell me, we just can't figure out how to do it. And then one year he said, I think we got it. Really? And then the project took off because yeah. Tim had figured out how to do it without breaking the bank. And then we had a great design and then I went to Glenn Granger with a rendering, mm-hmm. and Glenn provided the funds, and the clock tower happened. I still think the clock tower is just wonderful. Yeah. And I'm just delighted yeah. that we persevered and got the right people and made it all work. And I can assure you it would not have happened without Tim. And I mentioned in a previous episode, um, it adds a level of prestige to our campus it's unparalleled for LCC. I mean, you hear that thing and you're walking along and you feel like you're valued as a student because look at it. And that's another thing about Tim. I see him over here smiling at me. There are people that channel negativity and it's contagious. Tim Martz is the opposite of that. I've never seen the man in a bad mood. He's had tremendous amounts of stress on his plate. I can't even begin to imagine top level running this college and he's always positive and encouraging and that too. I mean, with your team, 
the electrician, master carpenter. It, it, it goes down from there. Well, thank you. No, it's um, true. It, it's one of these things where I always look at a situation, and I've learned this over many, many years of my life. When something is not quite right or needs to be looked at differently, I always say it's an opportunity. And I say that to myself and say, all right, it could be worse, but let's take this opportunity and let's see what we can do with it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's really one of the first things I say you know, when something comes up like that. But I go back to the point of um, earlier, if you don't have a good team, if you don't have people that you can rely on and you have a good leader, and a leader, mm-hmm. not a supervisor, a manager, but a leader, like Dr. Knight is when he was here. Mm-hmm. It just helps many things. Yes, we've had difficult things, and we've engineered ourselves through it, just like we talked about the clock tower. It took so long because how it was built, and then we had a demo team doing some other work for us, another part of campus, mm-hmm. and we started questioning them about, hey, what happens to this piece of structure here is there a way to get it down and slowly that thing turned and it was it was many years but it was mm-hmm. contacts and, and and so on bringing it together yeah and there's more to your gig than just um, engineering know-how you know i can express my admiration for your creativity with budgeting and i don't want to make that connote anything negative be creative with your books nothing like that but you realized and you understood how we needed to keep things in proportion to the college and to not misspend and to be vigilant and to be true stewards of the taxpayer dollar. You were always all about that, which is quite noteworthy too, because a lot of this stuff wouldn't have occurred. We were talking, Dr. Knight and I, yesterday about the acrylic thing in in the star zone and how if you'd hired an outside firm to do that, you're probably looking at half a million dollars something creative and back and forth and all of that. And it was a fraction of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, again, uh, and you were part of that design. Mm-hmm. When we put that together. And we we started out with just flat pieces of acrylic mm-hmm. or whatever we were going to, plastic or whatever it was, and we developed that. And it was the team that came back with that and decided we could heat it, we could bend it, we could do different things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, it comes back to that team player. One of the things I want to say about when you're talking about budget, in a public institution, it is very critical that you watch and how you spend money. And we know that. Mm -hmm. Dr. Knight was a true leader in that, Mm -hmm. really making sure that we spent the money correctly, how we did it, how we got the funds to do it, and how we worked through our purchasing department Mm -hmm. to do this. We were transparent with all of our funds. And Dr. Knight had a lot to do with that because he says, okay, we've got to look at this not only to create something for sustainability to be here forever, but we also have to make sure we can do it within the the funding sources and making sure that we can get it done improperly. And and he was really, really taught me a lot on how to do that. Yeah, and the authority to do that as well without having guesswork. I also want to mention Tim's guys. And now these are the skilled trades people that work for Tim. They were really an extension of our team. They mm-hmm. were on our team. And we were all equal in a way. I mean, we were all equal yeah. team members. And our minds were what we wanted and how to figure out how to do things and enjoy what we did. 
I mean, I worked with Lee on the robot at West Campus, how to light it, and mm-hmm. and the president's dining room. We worked with <laughs> Lee on the lights, and then he would know us and what we were trying to do, and he would be a contributor. It took this village of a sort to figure all this out. And Bruce, you did a whole lot of the designing. When we did the YMCA column, which I'm very proud of, you had the process on how to make the stained glass. (laughs) And it was Bruce's design. And we were continually pulling the talents from all these people on our latest project. And everyone did it with good enthusiasm and fun. And yep. then they were all set to go for the next one. Well, it's just now occurring to me, and I've known this all along, that has primarily to do with your leadership style. Everyone had a voice at the table. Everyone had a voice at the table. You could say whatever you wanted. You could say whatever you yeah. wanted. Oh, yeah. And starting out, it was kind of, kind of, you know, the president is here and everyone's chilly and kind of, but after a while, we understood that you valued the expertise of every single person all over campus, actually. There's a thing with curiosity that's a big deal. You are naturally inquisitive. You're a lifelong learner. I don't know if anyone just checks out, but you're curious. You'll sit there and you'll take it in. And that, uh, that lends itself to your, you know, to your knowledge about all this stuff. And I want to I wanna get on, on record, too, the rolling lawn. I was just going to bring that up, yes. That and was. so <laughs> Tim and I, we, with the consultants, I mean, yeah. we plan the rolling lawn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the drainage and the valleys and the irrigation and sod, and we, we had it all planned. And we thought that we had expertly planned it, right? but it didn't turn out that way. Hmm. The turf, the grass just was not healthy. Mm-hmm. And we have these big weeds and the valleys would collect yeah. water yeah. and kill the grass. Oh, just awful. And Tim and I are kind of old farmers in our own way. And we'd be talking and Tim would have the people that mowed the lawns and he'd talk to them and, and he'd ask me and I'd say, uh, try more nitrogen, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, anyway, we kept at that with zero success. Right. None. Yeah. We had a failure. And yet you're relentless. And so we kept going and then I think... I don't remember how we discovered. You were having a meeting with someone at MSU oh, or yeah. whatever, and you, you got yeah. straight. Yeah, Janet Lilly, who works in the president's office at Michigan State, I asked her if she had a turf person. So she hooked us up with Trey, who wrote a book right. on turf, yes. and, and he gave me his book. And anyway, we got him out there. It was a miracle. He turned a problem into a wonderful asset. It was just amazing. And Tim and I did that journey together, and and it was remarkable. I'll never forget it. I haven't been on the campus, you know, in a while. And I looked at that rolling lawn, and, whoa, the lawn's doing good. For for our listeners, let me describe this just for a minute. Um, the lawn that Dr. Knight's describing is, sits in front of the east-facing glass facade of the Gannon building. And the glass, we've discussed this before, is 
award-winning, the Glass Company won awards for it. It has this, I don't want to say accordion, but it has this, like, this crinkled up, facety. It's, it's very cool and it's become iconic. The rolling lawn looks like waves of water. Like if you were like a wave generating machine, except it's grass. And the curvature of the rolling lawn complements the hard angles of the glass. It's intentionally designed. I mean, it, they really do complement each other. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, the all of the, well, the trees, you know, talk, and I was never involved in any of that, but just seems like some people would just be beaten down and throw in the towel and you just keep going. Well, it just happens to be, this was our anniversary right now of when we decided to do the tree project. In what year did we do that? Uh, that was a few that years That was back. remarkable too. Anyways, we knew that this campus was absolutely beautiful. It was a great location. But over the years, since 57 in, in the 70s and then into 75 when everything was being built and um, the landscape, the trees that were planted starting to show their age and disease and keeping them up to snuff. And Dr. Nye says, we've got to do something here. We've got to do something, but we have to do it so everybody understands why we're doing it. We mm -hmm. just can't come in and start cutting trees down with no plan. So I'm going to let Dr. Knight talk about how we put the grid together and MSU and everybody. Yeah. So over time, you had trees, which I mentioned were diseased. They weren't the right tree for that particular spot. Some of them just kind of happened over time by accident. And some of them had only a few years of life remaining. Right. So we hired at least three tree consultants, yes, right? Yes, yep. And because I couldn't have just one. And we got three of the best. Yep. And they evaluated each and every tree on the whole campus, every single one of them. Wow. And we had criteria. Okay, this tree is diseased. It can't be saved. That tree is in the wrong place. It'll never thrive. That tree, tree by tree. And then we had a list of trees that needed to go. Right. And the, these are three tree lover consultants. Oh, for sure. Arborists, I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, oh, arborists. They, they, yeah. Yeah, sure. And a lot of people didn't understand that just by nature. But yeah. these were legitimate big-time tree experts. And they said, I don't remember the number. Was it like 50 trees, Tim? Oh, well, when we were all said and done, there was over 100 trees. That we had to remove? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we had a list, and Tim and I, again, know each other real well, and we made our plan. I had talked with the board, and the best time to remove trees is right now. Right. And for several reasons. No yep. leaves, yep. Yep. and it's in the middle of winter. Yep, and they're and, dormant. Yeah, and so over the holiday, Tim had the contractors ready to go, and I said, Tim, I want the stumps out of there and the backfilled. Mulch and dirt. And all, and we're done. And then Tim pulled it all off, and the trees were gone. And we then had a plan to replace them with, mm -hmm. with the right kinds of trees that would thrive right. and live a long time. And so we did that. And try as we may, people still struggled understanding, well, why are they taking that tree out? and putting that tree in. Well, there are many good reasons for that. 
and you plaque it too. I remember the plaques coming in with the various trees done so expertly and deliberately, especially these guys I'm sure were experts with Michigan climate and yeah. how it took. Tim, you, your wizard costume, is it at home or do you keep it around here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, no, I remember that on every single aspect. We've got a, just a few minutes left. I want to touch on the gateway to LCC, particularly the north and the houses that went down and the monument there, the power lines going underground. Can you touch on that for just a couple minutes, Tim? This was another great opportunity. And again, Dr. Knight really going out to the community, working with the uh, the mayor at the time of, of Lansing. Mm-hmm. And we got pulled in under the Metro Act, I think it was called. And that gave us a lot of lead way of what we wanted to do. And so we had, well, first of all, you want to make a college district. Yeah. And we wanted to make sure we were, you know, we defined. And I'll let you kind of continue on with how we got into that with the mayor and doing all the work, uh, you know, on the streets and the sidewalks. That was really hard. That was a very difficult yes. project. It just all kind of, all the utilities underground and, oh. and overhead. And you, you had a brilliant idea. A lot of people want to bury lines, and I understand that, but... That's very expensive. And Tim had a brilliant idea of going west and using a right-of-way and putting the electrical lines there, Mm -hmm. and that saved the project. But that whole effort, which turned out to be just wonderful, it restored the whole street to pre-electricity in in Lansing, consistent with the the structures. And it was a risky project very difficult took a long time we had to tear up streets and sidewalks and and tim made that happen well there's a there's an aesthetic truth and beauty to entering our campus from the north down capitol that you just the vibe like the moment you step on on campus well we're going to wrap things up real quick here gentlemen i'd love to have you back president emeritus dr brent knight director of facilities tim martz it has been thrilling talking to you I hope we can do this again soon. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Oscar Wilde once said, be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. If you want to check out what I've been talking about, just visit this episode at lccconnect.org. Art Happens Here is a production of LCC Connect. Thanks for lending us your imagination. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, Mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Engaged learning and academic success is a priority at Lansing Community College. To help students navigate their educational career, LCC has created a proactive approach to learning and providing students with several academic support services. To find out what's available, visit lcc.edu services.
As a veteran of the United States military, I can finally get the opportunity to enjoy special events, like a date with my wife, or going out together with my family and friends. Things that we couldn't afford, thanks to Vectix. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, motorsports, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can help. We can give our veterans a special event where they too can create their own cherished memories. Find out how by visiting www.vettix.org. That's www.vettix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. On the success scenario, we meet and hear from current LCC students who face adversity, why they chose LCC, and how they turn their situation into a successful one. Definitely now after second semester, my self-confidence is up there. I can do this and I can do this well. Age has nothing to do with it. Like I told you before, I have, the, I have notes from that first meeting and it was, take your age out of it. You deserve to be here. You belong here. I'm Dustin Abrego. The Success Scenario is a program dedicated to inspiring students towards a path of success. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime online at lccconnect.org. Explore college on your terms. Summer registration opens March 28th at lcc.edu slash get started. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. It's time for another edition of Equity. Equity is a play on words spelled E-Q-U-I-T-E-A. Why? Because I just love sharing a good cup of tea. Equity is designed to provide you with tips on issues surrounding diversity, equity, and inclusion to enhance your everyday life. Today on Equity, we're going to talk about some diversity and inclusion tips for leaders just like you. Tip number one, give your time and attention to colleagues who want to support diversity, equity, inclusion. Don't ignore them. In fact, it's always a good practice for you as leaders to assess and do a temperature check, if you will, on your environment, your employees, your colleagues, and find out what are they valuing when it comes to diversity. Number two. Balance the time you spend supporting everyone on your team. Be sure to make conscious efforts that every person's ideas, thoughts, and even projects are valued. Take time to make notes and records as a leader to ensure every person is having quality time with you and has your full and undivided attention. Number three, and being a DEI leader and developing these skills, you want to spread the responsibility of the organization evenly. Don't give one or two or even a group of individuals more work than you would give the norm. It's important because it allow everyone in the organization to have an inclusive lens and feel as if that they're valued. Number four. Listen to all complaints about bias and discrimination. As a leader, it's our responsibility to take every person's concern seriously, especially when it relates to bias and discrimination. 
And lastly, number five, take a stand against inappropriate behavior. Yes, we've heard this term before, but I'll say it again. When you see something, say something. When you hear something inappropriately, say something. Taking a stand against inappropriate behavior not only mitigates the bias in your workplace, but as a leader, it demonstrates that you know what's really most important, and that's people. And so these are just a few tips on how you can use DEI as a leader. Hope you'll take them lightly and take them into heart. Now go ahead and grab your favorite cup of tea and take a sip on all of these great tips. This has been another edition of Equa Tea. We'll see you next time. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Coming in March to the Black Box Stage, Lansing Community College Performing Arts presents I Knock at the Door, a play written by Sean O'Casey and adapted by Paul Shire. This play tells the story of a family being held together by a loving and strong mother, while class and religious turmoil threaten to pull them apart. I Knock at the Door will be featured March 16th through the 18th. For more information, visit lcc.edu slash show info. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it twice a day. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it in the morning and before dinner. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it, and share it with my doctor. Nearly one in two U.S. adults have high blood pressure. That's why it's important to self-monitor your blood pressure in four easy-to-remember steps. It starts with a monitor. Now that I know my blood pressure numbers, I talked with my doctor. We're getting those numbers down. Get it, slip it, cuff it, check it. Talk to doctor now and share it. Be next to talk to your doctor about your blood pressure numbers. Get down with your blood pressure. Self-monitoring is power. Learn more at manageyourbp.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Heart Association, and the American Medical Association. In partnership with the Office of Minority Health and Health Resources and Services Administration. On Wednesday, March 22nd, Lansing Community College will be holding its 10th annual transfer fair at the Gannon Commons on LCC's downtown campus. Over 25 representatives will be available to explain transfer options toward obtaining a four-year degree. The transfer fair is free to attend and open to the public. For more information or to RSVP, visit lcc.edu slash march on. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. It's time for Stars on Sports, a podcast radio show dedicated to sharing stories about our athletic program at Lansing Community College. LCC Athletics has a strong tradition. 23 national championship wins. Over 170 All-Americans. 19 MCCAA All-Sports trophies. Stars on Sports will introduce you to individuals that have contributed to our program success and give you the backstory on what it takes to develop it. We'll also dive into and break down the topics and issues facing athletic departments across the nation and right here at LCC. This is Stars on Sports.
Hello, and welcome to another episode of Stars on Sports. As usual, I am joined today by our assistant AD, Stephen Cutter. And Stephen, today we're going to be talking about new beginnings, new seasons. It's January when we're recording this, and for the athletic department and for our society, that means new year, new semester, new season You know, for us, sports starting, new semester, recertification of some sports halfway through the season. So in our world, that's exciting. In, in our society, that's exciting. You know, We talked about in previous podcasts about goals and resolutions, which I'm not a, a big resolution guy, but I do like new beginnings. I like hope. I like the start of a clean slate and, and seeing what the future holds and how we can improve and get better. You're in that boat as the baseball coach of a new season starting and, and the potential there. I like the holiday season because of, of giving and thankfulness, but how exciting to start and, and have a new season and, and especially athletics, a new team. One person can change the whole dynamic of a team. Um, you're familiar with that, setting goals for your team to see where they are at the end of the season. I used to always have a coach that said, you know, it's not if you're in the starting five or not, but it's if you're on the floor at the end of the game that really matters. And, you know, but we're starting. So it is important to be off to a good start and bring people together. So do you have that same excitement as you start the year and start a new season and, and, and see some of those similarities? Yeah, for sure. I think any time that you can get a fresh start, it's exciting. As you you mentioned the word hope, that's what everybody needs is hope. And so it's an exciting time of year. I know the baseball team kicked off their season late last night. And, uh, you know, we have softball and we have our other sports that are still in season. So the first of the year is is always an, an exciting time. And I'm not a big person on making New Year's resolutions. I'm more about having really good processes and trying to follow through on those. Yeah, and the process is what takes us to that end and the result. But still, you know, there's a lot of planning that goes involved. As we're in January, people are already giving up on resolutions or goals. And, you know, and that happens in athletics. It's starting. It, you know, starting some, you know, some of our mentors that we listen to, how important starting is. You know, we're starting the semester, how to emphasize to our student athletes and even my own kids at home is get off to a good start. Make a good first impression for your teacher attendance, you know, how important that is just showing up, being there every day and working hard is very important as we start anything new because starting is sometimes the most difficult part of making that decision. So again, as we start these seasons in this year, it's very important in our athletic department to do that. As a coach, you know that you develop impressions right away of student athletes and Again, most start off with a good impression of working hard and, and, and listening and, and having fun. But but that's a whole nother demean of, of getting teams to come together to gel. You talk about the process and how we both believe if you follow through, the results will come. But it's still starting and having those goals in place for that season. And, and I think that's you know, pretty prevalent in athletics. And even the, for those teams, as you mentioned, basketball in the middle of their season, it's the reevaluate, the, the set maybe new goals for the rest of that season. And for those that maybe in the out of season, setting those goals for their next season and working on out of season activities to, to get better. But you mentioned baseball and softball are in full swing now, which is crazy to me. In January, we're playing baseball and softball. We'll be indoors for the short term, but track will be starting soon and, and basketball in full swing. So, you know, very busy time 
for our athletic department and planning ahead. And, and people don't probably realize how much planning goes into starting a season, you know, even putting your schedule together to, to get off to a good start, to prevent injuries, to, to schedule accordingly, to build confidence. And a lot of things we take for granted, you know, there's many people out there that just redo the past. Like what did we do last year? Right. Let's, let's do it again this year. And for the good ones and, and the ones that to be successful, you have to, to constantly reflect and reevaluate. And so you have to take that time this year, even as we're early into it, constantly do that. And I, I think we're both big believers in reflecting and, and looking back and what worked and not worked and, and how to get better. But it's exciting. Again, a lot of potential for, for success, you know, a lot of chances to utilize resources to be successful at that time of year and, and a lot of clean slates and, and hopefully, you know, we can build on those and improve them and make, make a, a positive um, imprint on, on Lansing Community College Athletic. So um, what do you think? Um, any advice you give your student athletes regarding new starts, maybe even for the semester or other things, that, you know, the, the academic year for them? Yes. I like to try to teach a lot of visualization stuff. There's a really famous saying that would say something to the effect of, I'll believe it when I see it. And if that was actually something that was true, we wouldn't have things like cell phones. We wouldn't have cars. We wouldn't have walked on the moon, all those things. It's more seeing it to actually have it actualize or, or believe it. And so if you're looking to do something, you need to be able to, to maybe close your eyes, you can leave them open, but you want to start visualizing that stuff that you want. If, if you can start seeing it, then some of that stuff will start down the road coming true. I agree with you, Steve, about the visualization, but you know, you and I both have talked about believing too. And one of the best presentations I saw was from a National Geographic photographer who talked about believing is seeing. You know, we all talk about seeing is believing, but his point was he'd go in and if he had, if he trying to do a photo shoot and he was looking for something, it was sometimes hard to find where if he believed he could find it in that picture, it was amazing what came out of that picture. And both of those are so important in the athletics. Believing, just watched Ted Lasso for the second time, um, one of my favorite shows that has a lot of coaching references in it and believe is a big part of that, but also the visualization part, how important that is for our student athletes to understand that they are what they are and they have to visualize what they they can do and, and can be. So I've been very impressed with your use of visualization in practice, pregame, and you think that's going to be more prevalent in our area as we go in the future. And we both know a lot of Colleges are using resources to, for personnel to, to help with that. And you have significant training, which you'll expand on throughout the future of these podcasts and your own of, of your your background in that. But both of those are instrumental in the start to the season of getting your team in to believe in those goals and, and seeing what they can accomplish throughout that season. So I think in the semester, too, I mean, we talk academically, too, you know, we reflect on our last semester and how well we our student athletes did academically. You know, we had over half our team with a 3.0 GPA, many kids with 4.0s, 
Um, we had our share of kids that struggled and we're identifying them and working with them, but helping them see that they can succeed in the classroom and and get them the, the resources to help because as the new season starts, a, a new semester starts, which is exciting, seeing more students on campus, you know, getting back to, to in-person instruction, getting back in our gymnasium. So seeing that and believing it go hand in hand and, and both um, very important to athletic success. And as we talked about, if you're, you know, the things you can be successful in athletics carry over into the classroom and into your life in general, that some of those same characteristics you do, you can use in other parts of your life to be successful. So that's exciting, you know, this time of year, you know, with all those things aligning of our society, you know, doing New Year's goals, uh, our team starting seasons, our, our, our college starting a semester that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of hope there, you know, Shawshank Redemption is one of my favorite movies. It's on TV all the time and talk about hope is the greatest of things. And, and you alluded to that earlier, how important hope is and new season bring that again, one game into the season, it might change everything. And, and for most people, it does not for me. I, I like the first contest because that's where we start. That's where we know we got to go moving forward. Not, and But too many people dwell on that first result and change their tune and say, oh, we're not going to be as good as I thought this season or fail that first exam. And, oh, this is going to be a tough class. But to me, that's an opportunity to see where we're at and and where we got to go. So that's just exciting. I know you're excited for your baseball team to get started. And, again, things we're doing in our athletic department to get going. And the other hot topic right now, and, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about today, but I, I imagine we'll expand on it and bring guests in the future, the health and safety in athletics and how important it is and with current events going on in sports world of how important it is to have protocols in place and to educate your staff on on how to, to handle difficult situations. And, and there's so many ones. We talk health and safety. Sudden cardiac arrest has, has been a prevalent one in, in athletics. And, you know, I believe a, a, a young lady had passed away in Florida in flag football just recently. And I got an email from a, a company that said that it happens every couple of days of sudden cardiac arrest and how prevalent that is in sports. But then you got violence, too, and, and dealing with those protocols. We've seen it in other parts of society and grocery stores or movie theaters, and we've seen it in some athletic events, how important health and safety is and how sometimes it, it unfortunately falls to the back burner, but you and I goal of, of working on our protocols and, and understanding, you know, especially the different ones at different facilities. Have you had any experience with, with some of those incidents or of health and safety? Yeah. You know, if we talk about some of the stuff that's happened in the NFL and, and, and you look and there's so many things when it comes to health and safety that take place when the lights are off or behind closed doors that people just don't see. But those are, once again, those are processes that people are following, whether it's athletic trainers or, or support staff or whoever. All of our coaching staff has AEDs. And so those are really important because when our men's and women's basketball team is playing in our gym we have one there as well but what happens to the softball team when they're off-site those AADs are typically always with the coaches but what what happens when they're not and and what a change in the last I'd say even three to five years of of the the presence of AEDs in schools and in, in, in athletics. And we are fortunate at LCC. We have AEDs 
throughout campus and we check them monthly. We have brand new ones. We just, I think they just bought all new ones for campus. Every team has an AED. Um, I was watching the news the other day where they did a sample on on there, just a person that didn't even know how to use it, how the how easy it walks them through. And we've talked about technology before in athletics, but there's probably there is no more important technology than than the AED being present in athletics because of sudden cardiac arrest has been. But you know, going to other facilities, you know, looking for and making sure they have them. We had to practice and play off site last semester, and I noticed that that facility had one or two AEDs around. So they're almost as common as fire extinguishers in facilities, and and, and and rightfully so. That has been one of the most positive changes that did start with West Leonard. They're the, I don't want to butcher names, but a girl named Kimberly Foundation that was important in getting AEDs in schools. But even businesses and schools that understand the importance have provided them. They're, they're, they've come down in price, but they're you know still relatively expensive. And How much are important. they? Um, last I knew, they were between eight hundred and twelve hundred dollars, okay. depending on the model. Um, there's different models. I, you know, I think they're all adaptable now for age. You know, for kid. In, in your opinion, and you mentioned fire extinguishers. I'm not sure everybody knows how to use the fire extinguisher either. But uh, do you feel like you the, seen a, me cook. the the AD, AEDs are pretty easy to use without they, without any training? They are now. When they first came out, you had to AED was part of CPR training. My understanding now is, and watching the news the other day, and I believe this is that anyone can use it. You open it up and it walks you through and it won't shock them. They're sophisticated enough. It won't shock the, the person unless it identifies that it needs that. It tells you where to place the pads and it monitors it. So it's very important. And, you know, I've been fortunate and something we have to do better to be CPR and AED trained on a regular basis and how important that is in the initial response to any person that is injured or definitely doesn't have a pulse of, of, you know, getting blood flowing in that first 10 minutes. And as you mentioned in the NFL, I just saw an article how the NFL is the most watched sports program in the, in the, in the world of like the top 10 shows and seeing something this on national TV has brought a lot of awareness to these kind of incidents and how important it is to have protocol in place because it's scary. I mean, it, 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 it's very difficult to handle. And unfortunately for most athletic teams, they have trainers that are, are, are there to help. And, you know, we, you have protocol of getting first responders there. And I have never dealt with a, a sudden cardiac arrest, but I've dealt with concussions where kids have lost consciousness. And there's usually a doctor or nurse in the crowd that's been able to help. But it's back to your point of having things in place before the actual event happens and then having right people in place because not everyone can handle those situations because it is so difficult and stressful. It would be nice to even see our student athletes all get CPR certified. And I come to that with something that I had some real world experience with. I coached a college baseball player that I was over a couple years span and he was sitting in a, a classroom and a you know young healthy man sitting in the classroom and basically fell over with cardiac arrest his teammate who was also on the baseball team happened to be sitting next to him and the day prior he just completed his cpr training and uh, he actually saved his life that day and uh, you know he's he's 
playing professional baseball now, but uh, it's it's a heck of a story. Prior to that student athlete actually doing the training, he adamantly said, "I would have had no clue what to do." So sometimes in the in in the gyms and the different areas, but then you also have the student athletes that are you know doing that are sitting in classrooms and that are in different spots. So maybe that, that could be a goal down the road. Is I think it's a great goal. And I think it should be an emphasis of our society that everyone is, is CPR trained because even if you're at home, those first 10 minutes are so important to get the blood flowing that you, you know, to help a family member. But as we've talked before, it seems like music and sports bring big crowds together that it's definitely important when there's more people around, there's more a chance of it, of it happening. And we've seen it unfortunately too many times happen in, in athletics of someone's suddenly collapsing, but, and at all different levels with the different per- medical personnel you have. And fortunately most have that medical, you know, at least a trainer on staff, but I think that's a great goal for us. We talk about goals for this year, back to tying in about our earlier conversation of of getting pe- people CPR certified because we can rely on AED, but CPR is still an important part of that. And even with the AED training, you do that and then you move back over to CPR. And it's something we hope we never have to use. And it's something when you do, you never want to use it. But it, it, again, back in education in sport, that's it's being prepared. And that would help us be prepared for some of the most the most difficult situation that we could experience because the game becomes secondary as we saw in that that NFL situation that the game is secondary and people's health and safety are are and always should be a priority it's usually the number one goal of every organization is the health and safety of your constituents so that fits right into us and and doing better here at LCC and across the sports world you know, you brought it up, so my mind's kind of going back to it a little bit. You brought up the fire extinguisher. And uh, I don't know if it's just you, or but do you want to kind of talk real briefly about the um, fire alarm that was going off during the basketball game recently? Yeah, and as we talked about in other podcasts, athletics happened at all different hours. So we had a game off-site a couple of weeks ago, a women's basketball game, and somebody pulled the fire alarm in the middle of the game. And so you're supposed to evacuate the gym. You need to evacuate everything, but we knew it was a pull. We, we saw it, the, the kid ran out the door when it happened. And I've dealt with them many times. That's something you end up dealing with in athletics. And even though I was off site, I had a good grasp of going to the control panel, finding the key to reset the alarm. The fire department did come. They were very helpful. We had to call the, the operations director from that particular school that come in and, and address and make sure we were all set. But we had to delay the game. We had to add warm-up time. The strobe lights are going off, which impacts some people. So they are not fun to deal with. And they happen too frequently in athletics because you have a lot of people around and usually some little kids end up pulling it. Or I've had backpacks catch on to them. Thankfully for me, I've had enough experience that I can handle those, but it's still stressful and you're still, people want to, people want to leave. People want to keep playing. You got to work with the officials on proper protocol to get this game started and strobe lights. Are they a distraction? Can you play through them? The fire alarm was, it ended up getting broken that day. So we had to, had to figure out a way to fix it. Again, just another 
situation of being prepared. Anything can happen. I don't like surprises. It even carries over into my home life now that my, my wife knows not to surprise me because in this job, you don't want surprises. You want to be able to prepare and deal with it. And and fire alarms are a big part of us because there's they're throughout and they're usually easy enough to grab for a little kid. To, I mean, I know you growing up, I always wanted to be that person to the least pull it once. And when Did I worked you? at Mason, they let me pull it a couple of times just to get that thrill. So, um, you know, I know every kid wants to do it, but just not during an athletic event, you know, because it's a serious, it's a serious thing because if there's a fire, you have to get people out. That it's scary. And back to having protocol and, and having announcements that to help people guide them, especially being at a facility you're not familiar with. So fortunately, it worked out well, but for 20 minutes we were we were scrambling, nice. and you have to remain calm. You gotta listen. You gotta the the communicate all things again that that carry over to to other facets of light. So that'd be one thing I'd like to forget. It's funny I I you know we don't knock on wood we haven't had many instances in Gannon, and I I'm not fam- really as familiar with them because it's a bigger building at that particular facility was smaller, so you saw them. So I'm hoping that we've had our one fun and experience with that for the year but that all plays into the health and safety of an event you know making sure that you know you take care of your people you got a lot of people there that are 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 new to the facility or you know and and handle surprises like that differently so it's not fun but you learn and you develop and 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 you communicate thanks for bringing that up i had forgotten about that one thanks for sharing again it's just working together Thankfully, the the fire department was excellent. The guy was great from the the Delta Fire Department and the operations director from Great Lakes Christian College was very helpful too. So you just got to work together, just like in any instance of medical emergency or other emergency during an athletic or academic event. Well, Stephen, that was excellent. Uh, tied into you know a good conversation on new stars, beginning of the seasons and academic semester, along with uh, how our health and safety is the goal and how prevalent that is in in both of those arenas and and our goals for that for this year. So, as usual, exciting a conversation about maybe not specifically towards LCC athletics, but what is involved in LCC athletics heading into another a year of competition. So, as always, I enjoy this time of talking with you and and look forward to the next one. So um, had a great time today. Until the next time, go Stars. Stars on Sports is recorded live at the WLNZ studios. Engineering and production assistance are provided by Dadalian Lowry. You can listen to this episode and other episodes of Stars on Sports on demand at lccconnect.org. To find more information about our athletic program, visit lccstars.com. Thanks for listening. Go Go Stars! celebrating one year of LCC Connect, Lansing Community College's first podcast platform dedicated to keeping you connected with LCC and your community. Catch the vibe by visiting us at lccconnect.org and then click on the Celebrate tab to check out photos, videos, and find out how you can get involved. We are LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. For over 30 years, Ellie's Place has provided grief support to children and teens at no cost to families. 
serving over 31,000 individuals in the capital region. They offer peer-to-peer -peer support groups that provide a safe place for individuals to talk about the death of someone near them while working through their feelings and emotions as they learn to embrace loss. We're a stronger community when we care for each other. For more information and grief resources, visit elliesplace.org. This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.